Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to this week's episode of Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your fine Bills-related podcasts. We are so glad you took the time wherever and however to listen to Believe with myself, John Boccasino, and my colleague and co-host, Jamie D'Amico. Jamie, welcome on board, buddy. Buddy, here we are. This is a big game, right? This could have a lot to do with playoff seedings, and I'm feeling good about this. How are you doing, buddy? I am fantastic. I am looking forward to this matchup, Uh, although I will say as I was doing uh, some prep for the pod, one thought kept creeping into the back of my mind, and it's this. Doesn't this game deserve primetime billing instead of the 1 p.m. Sunday afternoon in a downpour? (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, since I am attending this game, I would far prefer it being a one o'clock downpour than an 8 p.m. downpour, because either way, I would probably (laughs) end up there. And I, I, okay, to the listeners, John and I were talking about this. This is happening in Baltimore. I live in Washington, D.C. John and I were going to meet each other in person for the very first time when I sent him a text message. I'm like, dude, the hurricane is coming up the coast. Maybe you don't want to make this trip. And John, you agreed, right? Yeah, well, so it, it, you're you're right. I mean, Hurricane Ian has been wreaking havoc, you know, all up and down from Florida up into the East Coast and the Carolinas. And we it's a combination of the miserable weather and the extremely high cost of tickets. I mean, right. we, you know, in hindsight, should have followed through with our channels to make sure that tickets were, you know, procured earlier, um, which obviously, you know, being a guy, kind of, I waited till the last minute. And a couple weeks ago, found out we didn't have uh, the tickets and started checking out the secondary market. And it was, you know, pretty high, pretty costly, and reached out to some Bills Mafia members and, some Syracuse alumni and, you know, really couldn't get anything too cheap down there. And then of course the hurricane comes through and now the tickets are relatively inexpensive, but we had, we canceled our plan. So Jamie, have no fear. Uh, I hope to meet you the following week because you're bringing your family up to Rochester and, and Buffalo for the Steelers game. So we'll just have to wait one more week before we get that introduction. Right. So long story short, I bought my tickets last Sunday and by Monday had severe buyer's remorse. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to sit out there in a downpour. It's 90% chance of rain in Baltimore for Sunday. And it's going to be a high of like 50 degrees, maybe. I, I think it said. I, I'm not looking forward to this. I really wish that I didn't pull the trigger when I did. And if I was going to do it, I wish I waited because... It's going below face value, and I paid a premium to get these seats. I, I just feel like an idiot all the way around. <laughs> well, Jamie, I feel like you are due uh, some some good luck. I feel like maybe you're going to have to pay the price a little bit with the physical financial cost, uh, but you're going to get a win, I hope, tomorrow, because the last time you went to a road game was the Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> fiasco from last year. So I think you're due, buddy. Yes. Yeah. I, I, there's not a lot that can wash the taste 
out of my mouth regarding losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Quite like beating a good team at home like the Ravens. So go Bills, man. I need this. So this game, Jamie, it's and besides the fact that it's not going to be on prime time, they're giving that to old man Brady and the Bucks against uh, the young kid Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. That gets the Sunday night billing in this game has the 1 p.m. on CBS. It will be vi- uh, visible and viewable for almost the entire country uh, as the CBS early game, which is great because this is such a dynamic showdown between obviously it's not Lamar Jackson against Josh Allen, but that's an easy narrative to fall into. But You know, Jamie, the 2018 draft was only four years ago, Mm. and there were five quarterbacks taken in the first round. These are the only two that are still with their original team, and they are arguably the top three quarterbacks in the NFL right now in Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. This should be such a dynamic matchup of do-it-all quarterbacks, you know, who really can do it with their arms, with their legs. And Lamar Jackson, I want to start with him Mm -hmm. on our preview because I feel like he gets such a bad reputation as just being a running quarterback. He is so efficient these days. It feels like he has gotten so much better at being a thrower as more as just somebody who can damage you with his legs. I agree 100%. He's got a uh, almost a 63.5% completion rate going on right now. That's a good quarterback. That's a guy who can throw the ball. And we we've seen him put up some nice statistics against Miami. He was 21 for 29 for 318 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean, this guy is at this point in the season, he has 10 TDs to two interceptions. The guy's playing well. You're right. He He's playing well and he's limiting his mistakes uh, and he's limiting his interceptions and he's not just looking to run uh, first, it's interesting, Jamie, when it comes to the Ravens on offense, they're one of the real outliers in the NFL. Yeah. You know, a lot of teams run, uh, they run the ball, but they they pass the ball and they're very effective uh, in their aerial attack. And it's due to the, the formation um, that they run out of. And the Ravens are one of those teams that runs a more physical larger set. They use a lot of tight, uh, two tight end sets, you know, led by Mark Andrews. They're really not one of those teams that runs a typical uh, offense when it comes to their formations out there. And I think it's going to be a very interesting challenge for the Bills, who are getting some reinforcements back. But the Ravens really, again, are one of the bigger, more physical teams in the league on offense. And they don't really rely on what you would, again, uh, refer to as your 11 uh, personnel on offense. That's not what their schemes are. They're very like they employ a fullback still. Yes. I mean, they employ a 300 pound fullback. And I feel like the Ravens are going to challenge Buffalo in a way that their previous opponents have not just given the fact that the bills are banged up in the secondary and Lamar Jackson is going to try to capitalize. on that. Not only, Obviously, duh. not only is he going to try to capitalize on that, but I, I love the fact that you brought up Patrick Ricard, who is the 300 pound 300 pound fullback that is on the field for almost every play. He's either lining up at tight end, he's lining up in the backfield and you know they <laughs> he's not all that they have to worry about because Mark Andrews is their starting tight end who is hands down their number one receiver. It's not even close. They have DeMarcus Robinson out there also but he's like the number 3 receiver on this team behind 
uh, J.K. Dobbins, the running back, Isaiah Likely, the other tight end, uh, gets a lot thrown his way. Now, Likely and Andrews, they're not as much in-line tight ends, but you will see them on the field together along with along with a fullback in 22 personnel. They do a lot with that. And because Lamar Jackson, and you started with him, because he's so good as a runner, you have to keep your eyes in the backfield. So when the Ravens are bringing in their big personnel and you're looking for the Lamar Jackson run, boom, that's a great opportunity to throw on the young and inexperienced defensive backs that the Bills are going to be fielding. And it is going to be a green secondary for sure, although there's some good news on the injury front, Dane Jackson, it's remarkable the fact that less than two weeks after that scary scene at Highmark Stadium where he was carried off on an ambulance uh, for the neck injury, Dane Jackson expects to play tomorrow against the Ravens. That's ridiculous. And Jordan Poyer is trending in the direction of playing, um, which would be great news given the fact that how depleted the Buffalo secondary is. Um, but I feel, and I, I, I owe the fans and the audience a little bit of a clarifier too, because we were talking about the big sets and the big personnel. And I, I Jamie, I know is familiar with this, but we use the eleven personnel, uh, which has really become the, the the standard operating system for offenses in the NFL. That means there's three wide receivers, one running back, and one tight end, and that's something that most teams employ a good majority of the time. But the Ravens are not that team. And when I said the big personnel. of the time, Jamie, the Ravens roll out their fullback, two tight ends, or even three tight ends, or two backs and two tight ends. It's a really unusual challenge for the Bills, and it's an unusual way to operate an offense. And when you look at what Mark Andrews brings to the table, you're right. He's not your typical tight end who lines up tight. I mean, he can line up tight to the formation, but he lines up in the slot 70% of the time. Uh, Same thing with their other big rookie tight end. You mentioned Isaiah Likely. I mean, they run their big offense like it's an 11 personnel, but it's not, which is going to be very deceptive and challenging for Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds to really bulk and shoulder the the majority of that responsibility of covering this hybrid offense. And you have to wonder if this is a game where we're going to see a lot of Terrell Bernard on the field at weak side linebacker, which would in effect take Taron Johnson off the field. Taron Johnson, the Bills' nickel corner, has been like the default weak side linebacker of really his entire career because he plays the run so incredibly well. But Taron Johnson is only coming in at 190 pounds. So do you want a 300-pound fullback locking up with him or with a guy who weighs 40 pounds more who would be Terrell Bernard in there? I, I think that I think that teams are aware of what Taron Johnson brings to the table. You saw it in the Patriots game last year, and they were trying to get him off the field because he's such a good player. And I've said it before, by far the most underrated Buffalo Bill. Would would you agree with that statement? Uh, Taron Johnson? Boy, I mean, it's hard to argue um, just given what he brings to the defense. I mean, I still will go to bat for Tremaine Edmonds being underappreciated more than almost any other great bill mm-hmm. on this team. Um, Cause you know, outside of Western New York, he's viewed as this athletic freak and this unbelievable quarterback of the defense, but locally people seem to not want to bring him back uh, once his, uh, his contract is up. But I think Taron Johnson's a great 
uh, pick for someone who is just underappreciated. And, you know, by the way, let's not forget Taron Johnson had that huge 102-yard pick six in the playoff game in 2021 in Buffalo uh, when the Ravens were threatening to tie this game up. He knows Mm -hmm. how to come up with big plays in a big moment, and the Bills are going to need him because, again, they really are um, the walking wounded here when it comes to their injuries with seven guys listed as questionable uh, on Sunday. We already know that rookie Christian Benford is out with the hand injury. Um, We know that Jordan Phillips is out with the hamstring and Jake Kumaro uh, with his groin issue or ankle issue rather. But, you know, the fact that like you're looking at, yeah, I mean, Taron Johnson is going to have to play a huge role on Sunday. Um, The Bills thought they were going to get some reinforcements coming in too. Jamie, were you surprised? I know we're kind of bouncing around here, but, you know, the Bills really were hoping to shore up their secondary. And I was excited by the Xavier Rhodes signing, (laughs) thinking that the former All-Pro, you know, would be a really nice add to the back of Leslie Frazier's defense. He knows Leslie Frazier having played for him in the Vikings, but now Leslie Frazier's not going to, or Leslie Frazier, Xavier Rhodes, not going to make his bills debut because he's also battling an injury. He's not quite ready uh, to go. He's got a hamstring injury. That's going to keep him out. So it just seems to keep getting worse and worse on the injury front, which is why yes, Taron Johnson has a huge opportunity on Sunday. I have a question about that, which is, did he have the hamstring issue before signing with the bills? Or is this typical of guys who come into camp late and they have a soft tissue or a muscle injury right off the bat when they, when they join practice? So I'm reading a story uh, here that talks about, uh, the fact that Xavier Rhodes was not going to play, he's going to miss the big game. Um, and it's not, the injury was suffered, I guess, after he had signed with the Bills, but before uh, Friday's practice session. It was basically a workout um, on Friday, and he said he suffered the injury Thursday during a team practice. He said it's not a serious injury, but that so he signed, I believe, either Tuesday or Wednesday, and then Thursday he suffers this injury to his uh, hamstring area, which will cause him to miss the game on Sunday. And it's, it's really unfortunate, Jamie, because I feel like the bills obviously have a need uh, at cornerback. I want to say something about the, the defense too. We've been, we've been talking about, you know, the fact that Jordan Poyer is trending in the right direction. Uh, Taron Johnson's got the shoulder. A lot of the load. Dane Jackson will be out there. Kyer Elam is playing great. I feel like as, as a rookie out there, what happened to Saran Neal on defense? He did not get a single snap on defense last week in Miami in a day where the corners and everyone were dropping like flies. So what happened to Saran Neal in Buffalo on defense? I can answer that. Saran Neal is strictly a nickel cornerback who doesn't really excel in coverage. And Taron Johnson didn't miss, didn't miss any time. Taron Johnson is ex- exclusively a nickel corner. So they would swap out one-to-one and there was no need for it. Well, I appreciate the clarification because my mind was like, wait a minute, maybe, I mean, you got to figure when desperate times come around, it calls for desperate measures. And I thought maybe the bills might've tried to juggle up some of their nickel corners, given the fact that, you know, you were down to again, some, I mean, they were calling up practice squad guys, um, or recent practice squad call-ups to see significant reps against, you know, Jalen Waddle and, uh, Tyreek yeah. Hill and the rest of the Dolphins playmakers. So thanks for clarifying. Oh, you got that. The thing about Saran Neal, good athlete, but he's slow. 
and he's just not a guy you want running around with uh, with those Miami receivers. He just would never be able to keep up with them. What do you see as far as Jamie when it comes to the um, the game plan for Buffalo? Uh, with and again, I'm not going to ask you the question how they slow down Lamar Jackson because he's going to get his and he's going to find Mark Andrews, their dynamic uh, tight end out there. But what do you think like Buffalo's game plan defensively should be when you know that there's a, a rookie who's emerging quite nicely outside as Rashad Bateman, who's really having a very solid. Uh, he only has eight catches on the year, but he's averaging almost 30 yards a grab on those eight catches. He's going to stretch the depth of the offense going downfield. And Mark Andrews is an incredible threat over the middle uh, with his crossing patterns and his slant patterns. What's the defensive game plan for Leslie Frazier to try to slow down this offense? Okay, so I think before we talk about the passing game, we have to talk about the Ravens' bread and butter, which is the running game. And it's the running game specifically with Lamar Jackson. You have to get the ball out of his hands. So I was watching some film study, some conversations, uh, Greg Cosell, I, I was listening to, and he had some great points talking about this. Now, the Ravens, when they run the ball, they typically do a run option. And it's based on what the defense is doing. They will have somebody who is either going to run an inside, do an inside zone run or a sweep. So either Lamar Jackson is going to hand it off and Dobbins is going to go up the middle or he's going to keep it himself and do a sweep or they reverse that and Jackson may do, may go up the middle, whereas uh, Dobbins could go on the sweep. You've got to get the ball out of Jackson's hands. Now, the defense, defenses have gotten really good at dictating what's going to happen in the RPO. It's not like it was, you know, eight, 10 years ago when this strange thing showed up in the NFL and they just didn't know what to do with it. You can dictate who keeps the ball. Unfortunately, you have to know from the tendencies what it is that they're planning on doing whether Jackson is going to go up the middle with it or around the outside. Okay. That's that. And, and Jamie, I appreciate the breakdown there. I do want to mention, uh, by the way, you know, for, for all the talk of the, and, and look, Lamar Jackson is an incredible dynamic weapon. JK Dobbins has been incredibly injury prone uh, during his time in the league so far. So really Lamar Jackson is their best rushing threat mm -hmm. i mean by far um of the two and and they have a nice little deep backfield out there as well trying to contribute with justice hill and jk dobbins but despite the fact that the ravens are known as this bread and butter running team they still throw the ball 63 percent of the time i mean they're a little bit above average so it's not like we're talking about an offense that's the i formation it's gonna you know wham bam thank you ma'am run all over you they still can chuck the ball over the yard. And I think they've been struggling to really run the ball uh, as a team. I was reading one of the breakdowns with a, a Baltimore beat writer, and it seems like their backfield has really been a struggle. Um, again, JK Dobbins had the big knee injury. He was really lacking the explosiveness that they expected when they drafted him. Uh, Justice Hill is a fourth round pick who really has been kind of, I mean, he's, he's almost been more effective as a runner than Dobbins because he's been healthy. Uh, unlike the fact that Dobbins has been banged up and injured and lacking explosiveness with that knee injury. So it really seems like the Ravens are like the bills 
they're trying to figure out how to get their ground game going beyond just their quarterback. Mm-hmm. And it's it's basically when teams are able to figure out how to get him to hand the ball off, that's when the Ravens are struggling. So that's through all of that rambling I was doing, that's what I was getting at, which is make them hand the ball off. Now, when it comes to the passing game, you cannot have your defensive ends overrun the pocket. So you've got to keep Lamar Jackson on passing downs from escaping the pocket. If you can get pressure up the middle, great. But don't plan on sacking him with your defensive ends because they need to keep him from getting out and running around. Because the Bills defense, they don't do a lot with spies because they typically only have two linebackers on the field. They may have more in this game. They they may, like we said, uh, they, they may be bringing in the rookie Terrell Bernard in order to play some downs with the larger personnel. But they're going to have to be ready to drop into coverage and use those big guys to match up with the Ravens' big guys. Because let's face it, you put a 256-pound tight end out there and try to cover him with Taron Johnson, who weighs 190, the tight end is just going to box him out all day. He's going to run 10 yards downfield, turn around, box Taron Johnson out, and it's going to be no contest. So use the big guys to push back on the big guys in coverage. That's a good point when it comes to the breakdown of the matchups. And again, we're talking here on Believe about the Baltimore Ravens and their offense, which again features a lot of heavy personnel. Isaiah Likely is also a physical and imposing threat uh, opposite Mark Andrews, which should give the Bills some matchup fits and nightmares when it comes to containing the tight ends. But I feel like, Jamie, the Ravens might have to keep their tight ends in uh, more than they normally do in blocking because they are in dire straits when it comes to their offensive line. True. They could be starting a fourth rounder, Daniel Falele, at left tackle. Now, I bring him up because left tackle is responsible for protecting the blind side of Lamar Jackson. That's also where Von Miller lines up. Oh, and did I mention this Falele guy has never played a down of left tackle in college or in the NFL? That's a major matchup advantage. The Bills have to capitalize on winning these spots, even without Jordan Phillips. I'm hoping that Ed Oliver is able to give it a go with his ankle injury. Uh, The Phillips injury is a big blow, but the Bills need to generate. I feel like the Bills need to get the pressure up the middle like you were talking about. And I think Von Miller, with the fear of how he's going to destroy this fourth rounder on the left side, is going to lead to really good opportunities for the guys up the middle to win their matchups because Baltimore is probably going to shift one of their tight ends to take the attention off of this rookie, Daniel Falele. Now, Ronnie Stanley, the regular starting left tackle, is listed as questionable. He was the sixth overall pick back in 2016. Do we know what his status is other than being questionable right now? Are they leaning toward sitting him? are, Are they letting out any information at all at this point? So again, one of the things I'm relying on uh, when it comes to our information here on Believe, and I I did this right before the podcast, um, I was checking out, he's still listed as questionable, um, this Ronnie Stanley, who would be their, he's their second uh, string left tackle technically, because the starter, Jawan James, was done for the year with a torn Achilles, Mm -hmm. uh, suffered in week one. 
Uh, Ronnie Stanley did not practice uh, at all on Friday. He has a questionable designation. Um, it's there. There is one beat writer saying he was close to returning to game action, but another beat writer for the Ravens was saying that he wasn't so sure that he was going to play given the nagging uh, nature of this injury. So maybe I'm being Johnny optimist when it comes to uh, Von Miller taking on Daniel Falele, whose name I love to say, uh, and I hope he gets posterized by Von Miller out there on Sunday, but either way, the bills should have a matchup edge for sure on that left side. <laughs> I would think so. Cause right now Von Miller has the highest uh, pass rush win rate of anybody in the NFL by a large margin. Thinking of him against a guy who's never played left tackle before gets me quite excited. That, that could be like a four sack <laughs> day for the guy. You got to be salivating at that prospect for sure. And uh, I think that, you know, again, this is a game plan for the Bills where, you know, the more reinforcements they get back in the secondary and on defense, the better. Lamar Jackson is going to run for him, for, for his. He's going to get his yardage. But I feel like if the Bills can contain the run and the, the real big key for me, Jamie, is getting the Ravens to third and long, mm-hmm. because I think that's really a place where Buffalo's defense would have a huge advantage over Lamar Jackson. He is not like Josh Allen when it comes to third down efficiency. He's the worst third down passer in the league, completing 34.8% of his passes on third downs. So when the Bills get you into third and long, again, that's another matchup advantage for Leslie Frazier and his defense. And that's where the Bills have the best run defense in the league so far this year. They need to prove it again on Sunday and make the Ravens have those third and longs. I know that's a captain obvious statement, but I don't think people realize just how bad Lamar Jackson is when facing a third and long passing the ball. I I think that's a tremendous point, to be honest with you. Uh, because he doesn't really have receivers that are good at getting the ball or good at getting themselves downfield quickly. When you're relying on tight ends and running backs, tight ends aren't as fast as receivers and running backs have farther to run than a receiver would. So yeah, that it makes perfect sense that that would be an issue. And I'm not putting it on Lamar Jackson specifically because the dude's got a gun. I mean, the dude can throw the ball. We, we've seen that with his statistics this year. But, yeah, third and long. And that's exactly why you have to play the run tough and play tough defense against the dudes going over the middle, the tight ends, the running backs, just like I mentioned before. And I feel like the Ravens um, are guilty of not giving Lamar Jackson the weapons that he needs on the outside. I mean... Their other wide receiver who's their other their wide receiver core. I'm going to read off this impressive list of names. Rashad Bateman's had a pretty he's had a decent rookie season. He only has eight catches, but again, they've gone for 28.3 yards per catch. Then they have a guy named Devin Duvernay starting at the second slot receiver outside wide receiver position. The backups are Demarcus Robinson, James Proche, the second and Tylen Wallace. I mean, it's almost criminal the fact that the Ravens, I mean, they traded away Hollywood Brown. They're not surrounding Lamar Jackson with the playmakers. Imagine if Josh Allen today had Kelvin Benjamin and all those bums, you know, um, that they the, the Bills trotted out in 2017, you know, trying to make him feel like he had wide receivers when he didn't. I feel like that's exactly what Lamar Jackson has to deal with 
not having legit threats outside of Mark Andrews. Yeah, Lamar Jackson was plenty pissed off when uh, when Hollywood Brown got traded away. And every once in a while, John, you will say something and the disdain will come through in your voice. You talking about the receivers sounded an awful lot like a few years ago when you were talking about Duck Hodges, a quarterback for the Steelers. <laughs> Duck Hodges. <laughs> <laughs> we we will do this show for the end of time, and that might be the most disdain I've ever had for a player. Uh, lack of respect for a quarterback <laughs> the Bills went up against. Duck Hodges. <laughs> uh, I have a lot of respect, though, for Lamar Jackson. I think this game is going to be a real big test for the Bills' defense. I think this is going to be uh, – I, I don't know how the rain – You know, the rain almost might benefit – Lamar Jackson even more in making it harder to contain and yeah. bring him down if he's slippery and elusive uh, with his with his runs. But the rain will affect both teams equally. Let's flip the script and talk about Buffalo's offense against this Ravens defense. And here's where I want to. There's there's many places we could start off, but here's where I do want to start off the run game has been much maligned. Mm. What do you think? Can Buffalo get the ground game going this week beside, by someone besides Josh Allen? I don't think so. And I, it, it depends on if Mitch Morris is in there. It'll probably be a little bit better. But here's the thing. Ryan Bates had a head injury. He hasn't been great this year. He definitely hasn't been the player he was last season when he finally got in the lineup. Spencer Brown has had moments that he's been decent, but overall, there's times he's abysmal out there. Roger Saffold, the big free agent acquisition on the offensive line, according to Joe Buscalia from The Athletic, is the lowest rated player on the Buffalo Bills team. He's been awful. So we're seeing that, you know, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, James Cook, they're not doing an awful lot, but you know how much they average in yardage before first contact? 0.08 yards per carry before somebody hits them. That is eight one hundredths of a yard before somebody puts a hat on one of them. You can't be successful as a running back, if you're not getting gaps to run through and they have shown no ability to run the ball so far this season. And you know what else? It's going to be a rainy day. It's going to be the exact kind of weather where you want to run the ball. And I have no faith in their ability to get it off the ground. Yeah. I I have feelings. I struggle because it it has been, it has been an awful, uh, awful stretch for this offensive line. I do think Mitch Morse, um, I mean, if he gets back on there, then the, the team has a lot more credibility when it comes to um, to the, the ground game. I think Ryan Bates is going to play. I mean, he Looks was a like practice it. participant uh, on, on Friday, um, and at least the Bills aren't, you know, they're being very careful with everyone on their team who, is, uh, who has suffered a head injury, unlike another team in the <laughs> AFC mm-hmm. East. <clears throat> no names, of course. Um, to protect the anonymous. <clears throat> um, but I think that the Bills, they, they, I don't know if they, maybe, maybe I need to stop my motto of get the ground game going because the offense is just fine the way it is. They're putting up 30.3 points a game. Um, the, the Ravens right now are not, 
there's weaknesses the Ravens have up the middle, but the Ravens are also pretty depleted in their secondary as well. Um, Marlon Humphrey is incredibly talented. He's one of the best in the league. Um, he has a great versatility where he can cover both inside and outside. And I'm sure that, you know, Stefan Diggs will have a matchup with, with Marlon Humphrey uh, on Sunday, but there's really not a lot beyond Humphrey in their secondary. So I think the bills are going to have an advantage when it comes to attacking. They're great with their receivers to begin with. I think Gabe Davis, Gabe Davis wants to play. I think Mm -hmm. we're going to see him play on Sunday and his return gives me even more confidence that Josh will have great success chucking the ball all over the yard against a pretty banged up Ravens secondary. So the Ravens have Kyle Fuller, a good cornerback on injured reserve. And then they also have Marcus Peters, but Marcus Peters isn't the player he was a few years ago. And I think he can be beat. The Ravens play a ton of single high safety. So I I guess you can say they, they play thirds oftentimes. Uh, They lead the league in playing dime coverage, which is six defensive backs on the field. So clearly they're trying to cover for their deficiencies in defending the pass by getting so many defensive backs on the field. And Marcus Williams, he's a very good center field safety. Um, They have a rookie, Kyle Hamilton, who's not starting, but they could get on the field in these dime looks. And uh, they have a strong safety named Chuck Clark, who they mostly bring up toward the line of scrimmage to sort of play in the box like a, like another linebacker, if you will. Um, the Bills, the, I think the Bills are going to be able to pass on them if the conditions are correct for it. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. I, I, I'm not afraid of Josh Allen throwing the ball uh, in, in the rain. I mean, he's, he's done very well. And I mean, he, he, the only game where the, the, the weather slowed him down was the 55 mile an hour wind gusts last year on Monday night, uh, in Buffalo versus the Patriots. I mean, he does well in all of the elements. And I feel like this might be a week, Jamie, where the bills, you know, either they, with the lack of productivity they've gotten from Dawson Knox, uh, both in receiving and his regressions in the blocking game, you might see the Bills go to the 10 personnel with four receivers and one running back. You'll certainly see a lot of the 11 personnel uh, come on the field, which would help to adjust and take away from what Baltimore does well with Marlon Humphrey. If you have to cover Isaiah McKenzie or Jamison Crowder in the slot, you got Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs out wide. You know, the Bills will have a lot of weapons and the Ravens will have to pick their poison because the backups are just not as prolific and not as good as Peters or Humphrey. And I think that's where Josh Allen's going to really have to recognize where the matchups are, make the hot read and punish the the defense. Because I think the, the bills, I don't have any confidence that they're going to be able to run the ball with any great efficiency. I think their way that they could use the running backs is to get the screen game going more. James cook did very mm-hmm. well in very limited duty uh, last week in Miami. Devin Singletary has become a better pass catcher out of the backfield that the short passes might have to be the substitute for the running game this week. I I agree with that. And also when you consider that the Ravens are struggling a little bit with their pass rush this year, Calais Campbell is getting up there in age and they just don't have those dudes that pin their ears back and get to the quarterback like in years past. 
I think that Josh Allen can stand there in the pocket and wait for the guys running crossing patterns to get open. I, I think that you hit the nail on the head there. And yeah, Jamie, this this is definitely one of those like I have I love uh, Josh Allen's effectiveness as a runner. I also love his awareness that he needs to protect himself. And we only saw the one run against the Dolphins last week. I think Josh is going to run more tomorrow. And I, I I just watch watch him give up himself. Watch him slide more. Watch himself go out of bounds more because I think he's slowly realizing with all the injuries the Bills are suffering, this team goes nowhere if he gets hurt. I mean, he needs to take care of himself. And I think this might be the week you see smart Josh Allen running the ball and getting out of bounds more too and protecting himself. Absolutely. I, I did I did want to point out that I neglected to mention Justin Houston, who's clearly a good pass rusher, but he's doubtful for the game. And yeah, dude, Josh, get down. Stop trying to run over linebackers. I'm with you. <laughs> and he does seem like he's figuring it out. It's even easier to slide in the elements. I mean, Jamie, it's even easier to slide in the elements with it raining. I mean, you can just kind of, you know, glide and you'll be down where your, you know, where your butt hit the turf, but you can have the cushioning of the rain to to get you down on the ground and give yourself up. I feel like this is a, and you're right. Justin Houston is doubtful. I don't think he's going to play um, at all based on what the the personnel reports are coming out of Baltimore. So with the backups and the weaker understudies in the secondary with the Ravens missing a, a huge uh, edge in the pass rushing game in Justin Houston, I like Buffalo's offense against mm-hmm. the Ravens defense. Um, this is going to be one of those really Jamie. I, I, I don't see this. I was frankly stunned at the low scoring nature of last week's game. I think this week you got to get above 30 to win this game. In my opinion, 30, huh? Okay. Because you think that the Ravens are going to put up 30. I do because I think Lamar Jackson is going to get his on his own. And I feel like there's going to be an adjustment still, you know, Poyer. I hope if Poyer plays what a huge lift that would be for the secondary, as well as DeMar Hamlin and Jaquan Johnson um, played, the Bills are a different defense altogether without their all-pro Jordan Poyer back there. Um, but the young – I got to give John Butler, by the way, the uh, defensive backs coach, a ton of credit. There's a great story in the Buffalo News talking about how – I mean, <laughs> he has had such an mm-hmm. arduous task this year. We all knew Trey White was going to be out to begin with. But you see Dane Jackson go down. You see Jordan Poyer go down. You see Micah Hyde go down. You see Christian Benford go down. I mean, this guy has taken a green secondary, and they handled themselves very well outside of the third and 22 last week that the Dolphins completed. I want to give it up for John Butler because he's really done a great job getting Buffalo's young safeties and corners ready to play. And, you know, Kyer Elam has really, I think, handled himself fairly well, given the fact that there has been so much turnover, you know, all around him in the back of the secondary. It's not an easy position to be in. Kyer Elam, I was worried about because number one, he came in and lost a potential starting spot to a sixth rounder. Secondly, dude has the grabbies like that. That was his problem in college. We saw it in training camp. He's maturing right before our eyes. And it's really nice to see. It is, and he's adjusted quite nicely to the uh, zone cover schemes because the Bills don't really go in man very often, which was his strong suit uh, at Florida. 
And I think he's really adjusted quite nicely to being in that zone coverage setting out there. So this is a big week for, I think, Kyer Elam to see how he can hold up and maybe gain some more confidence, you know, anchoring the, the, the secondary with Dane Jackson coming back. So you asked me about Lamar Jackson. I think they're going to score their points. I think the Bills have a better defense um, and the Bills have the ability to score more points. So if you can venture and put two and two together in our predictions bound to go wrong, I'm going to say the Bills win this one. And you know what, Jamie? I think they finally get a one-score victory. Really? I'm going to go 34-28 in the slop in the monsoon. The Bills win this one to get to 3-1, and one, which should be a very exciting uh, game. And you know, Jamie, I want the Bills to get a win, but dear Lord, please let the Bills return healthy. No more injuries. Oh enough God. is enough. I know. I, I, I'm thinking about bringing binoculars just so I can see who's actually out on the field because I have a feeling as the game goes on, if it's anything like the previous games, I'm not really going to know. So <laughs> I, I don't think there's going to be quite as much scoring. I think the Bills are going to win 28-21. Which would mean they get a one-score victory. So they would yep. snap this streak and put that false narrative to bed because you know it's it's it is a false it's narrative. It's low-hanging fruit, and I agree. It's a total false narrative. Tell tell me why you think it's a false narrative. Because if you look at the uh, if at the full body of Josh Allen's work, he's like 500 in those games. And then I can't remember who it was. Uh, Chris Trapasso, I think it was, did a video on on Josh Allen's team victories in one-score games versus Patrick Mahomes. And Josh Allen has won 30% of his one-score games, and Patrick Mahomes has won 32% of his one-score games throughout their careers. They're cherry-picking and trying to use recency bias to create the narrative, and I just don't think that it's there. I would agree with you, and I would also point out one of our uh, fellow podcasters' favorite lines. Wins are not a quarterback stat. Say it with me now. Yeah. Wins are not a quarterback stat. So the fact that the Bills have this uh, 0-7 in their last one-score games, that should not fall on Josh Allen and be an indicator of how good or bad or clutch uh, of a quarterback he is. I mean, not all one-score games are created equally. Um, you know, one-score games could be, you know, fluky with the the, the, the fail Murray uh, touchdown pass that uh, Kyler Murray had to DeAndre Hopkins. Um, there's all the, the close games that Buffalo suffered last year, the thrilling comeback uh, against the Buccaneers only to fall short in overtime. It's really, it comes out to a coin flip, you know, these one score games and the bills are going to start winning their fair share of those one score games. It's a random thing. It's a fluky thing. And it's a false narrative. I'm glad we agree with that. And I think the bills are going to get off the schneid, if you will, with the one score uh, game streak here on Sunday in week four to get to three and one, which would be great because then we would match the Miami Dolphins in first place in the AFC East and get a big conference victory under our belts. Bills fans, what do you think? We want to hear your thoughts on how the game is going to play out, uh, what scares you and what you're excited about for this big matchup in Baltimore. Jamie, I wish you nothing but the best uh, staying dry and having a good time uh, in Baltimore. <laughs> you can hit up Jamie on Twitter. He is at the Jamie D'Amico. I will be watching from my couch here in upstate New York. I am at John Boccasino. 
Jamie, always appreciate the thoughts, buddy. Have fun at the game and go Bills, bud. Thank you, my friend. Also, happy birthday to former president Jimmy Carter turning 98 years old today. Just the fact that anybody who's lived that life is almost 100 years old is amazing. You know, Jamie, God bless you for bringing that up. I love Jimmy Carter as maligned as he was uh, during his run as, as president of this country. You cannot find an ex-president who has done more out of office than Jimmy Carter with his Habitat for Humanity and his charity work. Let's go win this game for Jimmy Carter, Buffalo Bills. Go do it. (laughs) And we'll be back next week talking about how the Buffalo Bills fared and getting you ready for the week five home game against a familiar face in Mitchell Trubisky. Will he still be the starting quarterback or will it be Kenny Pickett? We will break down the Bills and the Steelers in week five coming up here on Bill Eve, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. (laughs) 